The Miz? Really? The fucking Miz? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ninja Warrior Podcast for Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. I am your host, Greg Hernandez, and I'm flying solo today. Yeah, there is no Amy, because uh, she went to Vegas without me, basically. No, she went with on a girl's trip, two of her girlfriends, and they're in Vegas right now, so she is not going to be able to come in this week. So I'm going to call them audible. Here's what I'm going to do. What I was going to do is cover WandaVision, episode 7. I was going to cover that because there's been some shit. Oh, some shit has hit the fan. And I was going to cover Clarice. For anybody who's not watching, you're really missing out. Clarice, obviously, being Clarice Starling from the Silence of the Lambs movies, there is a 10-year gap between Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal. So what Clarice is doing is it is diving headfirst into that 10 years. This movie picks up, excuse me, this TV show picks up one year after the Buffalo Bill bullshit, and Clarice is, she's going through some shit. It is really cool because if you guys remember the movie, she wasn't a, she wasn't a full agent yet. She was still just a trainee. So she was not ready for this level of bullshit and she got in neck deep. So she it's going through all of the PTSD and all the shit she's going through. So highly recommend this show, Clarice CBS. Check it out. We're going to cover the first two episodes, maybe the first 3. And as I say this, there's a TV, there's a commercial for Clarice. Fuck, it's like they knew I was talking about it. Fuck you, CBS. Anyway, uh, we're probably going to cover the first three episodes on the next show. So that's what we're going to do. But today, we are going to cover WWE Elimination Chamber 2021. And it's probably a good thing that I waited until Wednesday to cover this because the pay-per-view was Sunday. I would normally record this Sunday night, Monday afternoon sometime. Some, oh my God, we've had some wrestling stories break. I wake up this morning and I find out the big show has signed with AEW. And I went, the fuck? Really? Like they let them. Here's why this is funny, folks. This fucking makes me laugh all this shit. Okay, so let's, we're going to get in our way back machine and we're going to go back to 1998. Paul White, the giant, is leaving WCW. And Vince McMahon says, you know what? I'm signing this motherfucker because he was completely misused in WCW. WCWs know how to make a giant. I know how to make a giant. God damn it. I had Andre the Giant for 20 fucking years, right? Because that's, because that's how Vince McMahon thinks. Here's what you don't realize. Andre the Giant was Andre the Giant when he got to WWF. Vince had nothing to fucking do with it. And I know I've had this fight with fucking trolls on the, on the internet all the time because that's what I do. I fight with trolls. And one fucker tried to tell me, well, you know, Vince Sr. gave him the name Andre the Giant, so really they did make Andre the Giant. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. Andre started wrestling in 1966. All right? Andre got to the WWF in 1972. That's six years, folks. 
six years in the business, traveling to Canada, wrestling all over Europe, going to Canada, going to Japan, going down to Mexico. This motherfucker went all over the world. He was Andre the Giant when he fucking got it. Matter of fact, I think it was he got the name Andre the Giant in Canada. Because he was just Andre Rusimov, and then in, in some parts of Europe, he was the monster Rusimov. He, he, they called him Andre the Giant in Canada. So don't fucking tell me Vince McMahon made Andre the Giant. Shut the fuck up. This bullshit. I gotta put up with this shit all the time. Why do trolls just want to fight with me? Always. Anyway, getting too far off track. Vince has it in his mind that he made Andre the Giant, and we can turn Big Show into the next Andre the Giant. How'd that work, folks? How'd that work out? Now I take nothing away from Paul White. Paul White is a hell of a work. Did you see on uh, the Giants' first matches? This motherfucker debuted when he was 19 years old, and his first match was a pay-per-view main event against Hulk Hogan for the WCW heavyweight title. Stressful much? Just a bit? Maybe? Yeah. My debut was, a, was in a garage with 20 people watching. That's that's a slight difference. I'm also not six foot seven or whatever the fuck Big Show is. But remember when they called him the the Big Nasty? I'm sorry, I just threw that. I just, that just popped in my head. He, originally he was the Big Nasty, then they went with Big Show. Anyway, point being, he was never Andre the Giant. He was a great worker. He was a great big man. He was never Andre because Andre knew how to be a fucking giant. And if, you, you, if they threw something at Andre, hey, we're going to do this, and it made Andre look like less of a giant, Andre would be like, fuck you, or however he sounded. But, yeah, so anyway, the fact that Big Show just said, you know what, fuck this shit. Um, you asked me to come back for a fucking Legends Day, and I, I, get, a I get a verbal deballing from Randy Orton, fuck this. So, yeah, he, is, he has been moved to the alumni section of the WWE website, and he is now all elite. He is not, as far as I can tell, he's not going to be working any matches. He's actually going to be added to the commentary team for Dark. So, yeah, take that for what it's worth. I don't know if that's a permanent gig, if that's where they're starting him off. I don't see AEW using him in the ring much. They might just use him as a special attraction, which is what Andre was. So if, oh my God, I swear to God, if AEW does a better job of making Big Show Andre the Giant than WWE did, I will laugh my nuts off. I really will. That's So yeah, that's the breaking news today. Big Show, Paul White, it just signed a long-term deal with AEW. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go back a few days and we're going to cover... WWE Elimination Chamber 2021, we start off the show with the SmackDown Elimination Chamber match, and right from the beginning, I'm going, what the fuck? All right, full disclosure, I have not been watching Raw or SmackDown a lot lately. My job starts at 6.30 at night, it ends at 1 o'clock in the morning, I have, I go to the gym at 1.30 because I'm fortunate enough to have a gym that's open 24 hours now. So I go to the gym at 1.30, get home about 3, 3.30, and by that point, fuck wrestling. I'm not watching any goddamn wrestling. So I will watch as much as I can, like, the next day, but Raw's three fucking hours, and I've got the attention span of a six-year-old, 
So, yeah, that, that's not going to happen. So I watch what I can. But we're starting the SmackDown Elimination Chamber match. I didn't know who was in the fucking match. I had no idea who was in this match. Then they start doing the intros. Kevin Owens comes out. Sami Zayn comes out. We've got fucking Baron Corbin. Jey Uso. And then they interrupt the introductions. They interrupt, they interrupt the intros with a hype video for the SmackDown match. The fuck? Why are you showing me a hype video for a match that's, that's basically already started? You've done the intros. You've introduced half the people involved. And then you need to get me hyped up. This, folks, this is fucking stupid. All right? Imagine you go to the movies and you're watching fucking, let's say Justice League. Fucking, I'm hearing the Snyder, the fucking Snyder Cut shit. That's coming out pretty soon. Imagine you're in the middle of watching that four-hour fucking movie, and all of a sudden there's a commercial for the Justice League. That's, that's how stupid this is. Like, motherfucker, I'm already watching this. Why are you showing me a commercial advertising this? This is what they did. So I'm going to say, all in all, really good match. You started off with Daniel Bryan and Cesaro, who didn't get their intro before the hype video. And these guys worked their ass off. Number one, these guys are badass. And I love the fact that Daniel Bryan is part of creative. And he's just saying, you know what? We're going to be fucking workers again. We're going to turn SmackDown into the wrestling show. And these guys tore it up. These guys, I thought these guys were great. Then we get Sami Zayn in the match. And I'm going to say this. Sami Zayn is the most hateable fucking guy in the company and I love it. I love it. Do you know how many times I've been worked by Sami Zayn? And I'm thinking this motherfucker, I want somebody to punch him in the throat. Oh, oh wait, that's what I'm supposed to feel. That's because here's the thing, folks. There's no such thing as a cool heel. The point of a heel is to piss you off and to annoy the living fuck out of you so that you buy a ticket so that you can see this guy get his ass kicked. That's traditionally the heel's role. Come watch me get my ass handed to me. That's what he's supposed to do. And Sami Zayn does it beautifully. Corbin does a good job of it too. The only thing is, they don't let anybody beat Corbin. So as a fan, I'm annoyed by Corbin, I hate Corbin, and I don't get to see anybody kick Corbin's ass. So, so you tell me what's the point. That's, yeah. So that's the difference between Baron Corbin and Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn will take an ass whooping. We then get to a point where Sami Zayn and Cesaro are fighting on top of the pod so that Corey Graves can make his fucking King Kong joke. He does it every fucking show, folks. Go back and watch. But they did a spot here that I thought was interesting. So Sami getting his ass kicked on top. He starts climbing the cage sideways. He starts trying to climb over the other side of the pod. And Cesaro starts following him. So now I'm watching uh, an American Ninja Warrior event. And then he starts just uppercutting the shit out of Sammy. He grabs the chains from the top and basically does a mid-air double stomp. And Zayn is easily 10, 15 feet in the air, does the double stomp, and they, he takes a double stomp, lets go of the cage and takes this crazy-ass bump that the director missed. Fucking missed. Sami Zayn just fucking took a 10, 15 foot drop 
and nobody got to see it. Do you know how pissed off I would be if I took this crazy ass bump and nobody got to see it? Like that fucking stupid. Like somebody kicked that director in the nuts. We get Kevin Owens into the match and immediately uh, Sami Zayn tries to team up with Kevin. I thought this was great because he's just like, hey, nobody wants us in this match. You're not the face of this company. I'm not the face of this company. We should team up and we should get him. And I'm just thinking, um, didn't he kick your ass the last time you guys were teamed up together? Didn't he turn on you and fuck you up? And that's exactly what he did here. He just beat the shit out of Sami Zayn. I thought it was great. Kevin Owen finds himself on top of the pod because there has to be a dive off the top of a pod. That's just, it's mandatory. It's in the rules now. You have to have at least three dives off the top of the pod. Kevin Owens does a moonsault into the cage or off the top of the pod into the cage with like six or seven guys catching him. Stunners everybody. Beats Sami Zayn. Bye, bitch. Here's where this got fun. As Sami Zayn is being helped out of the cage, of course, referees have to open the door. Jey Uso jumps Kevin Owens, slams the door on his arm, like from his bicep down, is fucking outside the cage. And Jey Uso, referees did a piss poor job of getting Kevin Owens out of the cage, getting him, like, freeing his arm. They really did. They just kind of like, ah, all right, fuck it. So Kevin Owens is standing there with his arm trapped in the cage door and Jey Uso super kicked this guy just four or five times right in the face. Super fly splash off the top and Kevin Owens is eliminated. And I just went, wow, Kevin Owens has gotten his ass kicked over and over by this fucking family. Roman Reigns kicked his ass. Jay Uso kicked his ass. Can we do can we do something for Kevin Owens? Like start a Kickstarter or something for him? Because dear God, this guy, holy shit. I told you earlier, the point of a heel is to annoy you and piss you off to the point where you get to watch him get his ass kicked. That's the point. Point of a babyface is to kick the heel's ass. How many times has Kevin Owens got to kick Roman Reigns or Jay Uso's ass? Kevin Owens has just gotten his shit handed to him for the past three months. And there's no sign of a comeback at all. If anything, all right, you want to like, keep Roman Reigns beating the shit out of him? Keep Roman Reigns strong? I'm fine with that. Give the dude a, a win over fucking Jey Uso. Can we do that, please? <sighs> Guess not. Anyway, comes out of the final three. Jey Uso, Cesaro, and... Daniel Bryan. I keep wanting to say Antonio Cesaro because that's that was his fucking name. Before Vince did his Vince thing and, well, stars only have one name, like Madonna or Cher. Because Vince doesn't remember, you know, past the 80s or the 90s. So we're just going to take his fucking first name away. Anyway, I'm starting a tangent. So they do this thing where Daniel Bryan's had his knee worked on this entire match. Cesaro goes for a big swing on the injured knee. Jey Uso super kicks the fuck out of him. Another superfly splash. Uh, Cesaro's gone. I almost said superfly's gone. True statement, really. Cesaro's gone. We come down to Jey Uso, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan hits the greatest running knee just right into Jey Uso. Knee right to the face meet. And Daniel Bryan wins the elimination chamber. 
The stipulation of this match was that the winner of the Elimination Chamber faces Roman Reigns later on tonight. All right, well, that's why this match went on first, right? Because at some point, you're going to get Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan. Nope. Roman Reigns' music starts immediately. Comes in, and he just mauls the fuck out of Daniel Bryan in, like, two minutes. It's a two-minute squash match, which, granted, we just watched a 40-minute Elimination Chamber. Daniel Bryan getting beat in two minutes. Not, it, doesn't, it doesn't bury Daniel Bryan. It really doesn't. It makes Roman Reigns a better heel. Because that's a, that's a cheap bullshit thing to do. But here's where this got awesome. Just from the way the director framed the shot. You have Roman Reigns up on the second turnbuckle. His belt over his head. Posing to nobody. Because it's a fucking empty building. And he's they're, they're only filming the left two thirds of the ring. Like the whole other corner is off camera. And I'm going... Somebody's running in. Somebody's doing a run in. And just as I say that, Paul Heyman goes out the ropes on the far side away from the hard cam, drops off the apron and proceeds to argue with the video screens. You know, the fans in the fucking Thunderdome, you know, the, the like the 90 video screens they have on that one side. Paul Heyman proceeds to argue with TV screens. And it looked really stupid at the time, but... It allowed Paul Heyman to have his back to the ring while Roman has his back to that far corner. As he comes off the rope, Edge spears the living shit out of him. Fucking drops him. And then he gets up and points at the WrestleMania sign. Because it's the road to WrestleMania and everyone has to point at the sign. And if you can see me right now, I'm actually pointing at the east side wall in my house. Because I'm stupid. And Michael Cole. Poor... Poor Michael Cole has to say, I, I think I think Edge just made his choice to who he's wrestling at WrestleMania. Dude, oh my God. I can get a chimpanzee with Down syndrome to do your job. Seriously. You think he's made his choice. He just assaulted the Universal Heavyweight Champion and pointed at the WrestleMania sign. Yeah, I think that's a clue. We then go to a video clip of The Miz arguing with Bad Bunny the funniest part of this was Bad Bunny slapped the shit out of The Miz. Just, oh, I, I have no idea who Bad Bunny is, but I know that Pimp is strong. Because he just slapped the living shit out of The Miz, and I laughed hysterically. We go from there to the U.S. title match, Matt Riddle versus John Morrison versus Bobby Lashley. How John Morrison got in this match, I have no idea. I thought this was Keith Lee. They pulled Keith Lee for no reason whatsoever. We get John Morrison. Anyway, doesn't really matter because Lashley was just a fucking eater of worlds here. He was just a fucking destroy. Bobby Lashley was Godzilla. Matt Riddle and uh, John Morrison were Tokyo. That's how this fucking thing went down. He destroyed these fucking guys. Finish goes. Why is MVP on crutches? I, again, I haven't been watching a lot of Raw or SmackDown. I have no idea why MVP is on a crutch, one crutch. Morrison goes outside, grabs a crutch away from him. He then comes inside, swings it at Lashley, and of course, commentary has to inform us that, well, there's no disqualifications in a triple threat match. Why? Why, why is there no... That's the dumbest fucking rule ever. So, 
if you have three guys in a match, one guy comes in with a fucking ball peen hammer and just cracks the other guy in the forehead. Well, we can't do anything. That's that. There's no disqualification. How about you disqualify the guy who broke the rules, and then we have a one-on-one match? That just saying, throwing that out there. Anyway, Morrison swings at Lashley. Lashley says, "Fuck you." Ducks full Nelson. Proceeds to stretch the shit out of John Morrison when Riddle comes back in. Another guy who's lost his first name. Riddle comes in, grabs the crutch, and he just Mark McGuire'd the fuck out of Bobby Lashley. Just swung this fucking crutch hard as he could. Hits him like twice. Lashley falls to the outside. Riddle grabs Morrison in a bro Derek. One, two, three. New U.S. champion. And, all right, again... I seriously think Vince has forgotten what the fuck a heel and a baby face is because the heel is the one that grabs the title that he just stole and runs away. Nope, that's what Riddle did. Riddle just grabs his title and takes off running like he just robbed a fucking bank. That, so, new U.S. champion, not entirely sure if he's a heel or baby face. Does it matter? Anyway. Moving on to the women's tag team title match. Oh. Oh my god. This match was so bad. How could a match have been this bad when you have three really talented workers and Nia Jax? Well, there's your answer, folks. Fucking Nia Jax. Oh my god. She was blowing shit left and right. How do you fuck up a bulldog? You fall down. That's it. That's how do you fuck up a bulldog? It's like fucking up walking. A bulldog. Somebody grabs you by the head. They put you face first in the mat. You take a face bump. This is not hard shit. For some reason in Nia Jax's world, oh, I got grabbed by the head. I should drop to one knee. And then Michael Cole on commentary, Nia just face planted. No, fucker. No, her face wasn't within four feet of the fucking mat. Dude, commentary's job is to cover for shit like that. Not tell me that I didn't just see what I just fucking saw. Oh my god, this match was so bad. And then the not-so-hot tag, that that was fucking amazing. All right, folks, I'm going to give you a quick lesson on tag team psychology. Oh, oh, fuck. All right, hey, folks, remind me to, remind me to uh, tell you about the fucking argument I got into with the other internet troll over ring psychology, this motherfucker. But anyway, before I get too far along, typical ring psychology, folks. You have your babyface team and your heel team. Your babyface team should come in. They should shine. They should just totally embarrass the heels. And then at some point, the heel team cuts off the babyface. They, they isolate them. They're kicking the shit out of somebody. And the point is to make the anticipation, or excuse me, to build the anticipation of that person tagging out to their partner and their partner comes in, house of fire, clearing everyone out. Fucking old as time. This is not hard, folks. This is like first week of wrestling school shit. All right? So what do we do here? They cut off Sasha Banks. They are heating up Sasha Banks. And Shayna Baszler's fucking great at this. Shayna Baszler is awesome because she looks like she's punishing this woman. She just slows it down. She is just twisting joints and manipulating. And oh my god. I would not want to owe Shayna Baszler money. That's all I'm saying. She looks like she would fucking rip your arm off and shove it up your own ass. But then, again, waiting for the hot tag. Sasha's supposed to tag out to Bianca Belair. 
and Bianca comes in, makes the makes the comeback, right? Big house of fire comeback. No, it's not what happened here. Sasha proceeds to make her own comeback, cradles. Uh, who was that? It was Shayna Baszler. Yeah, cradles Shayna Baszler, gets like four or five near falls, and then makes the lukewarm tag to Bianca. I'm going to say it right now. The greatest thing that ever happened to WWE was COVID because we were able to get the, get the fans out of the building because fans would have shit on this match. Oh, my God. You're heating up Shayna Baszler. Excuse me. You're he- Shayna Baszler's heating up Sasha Banks. Sasha starts to make her own comeback, so people start to be they start to cheer. Yay, Sasha's making her comeback. And then she tags out to Bianca, and the crowd would be like, or yay, I guess. I, uh, okay, I guess we're going to go with it. And then they went like five more minutes after that. I would say the only thing worse than the comeback was the finish, but I have no idea what this finish was. I did not write it down. I'm looking at my notes right now, and I said, lackluster match with a horrible finish, but at least it was way longer than it needed to be. That was pretty much how you sum up this match. All right, now. Now I'm going to give you this fucking argument I got into with this Facebook fuckwit on ring psychology. I know I fight with internet trolls way more than I should, but honestly, if you don't fight stupid, stupid thinks it's right. Case in point, there are dumb shits on TikTok right now who are lighting snow on fire to prove snow is a government conspiracy. That's fucking stupid, but it's a thing. Okay, apply that level of stupid to, to certain wrestling fans. Not all of you. Certain wrestling fans. Here's what I mean. I see this post on Facebook, Twitter, or something. I don't remember. And the guy, basically, it is, it's your typical AEW versus WWE because wrestling fans have to act like children of divorce and they have to pick a side, you know? So that's basically the attitude that I deal with. And this guy's talking about how, oh, AEW sucks. And all right, stop, stop, stop right there. Stop. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. You can't say something sucks if it makes more money than you. Throwing it out there, folks. Just if AEW makes millions of dollars in ad revenue alone, okay? Unless you're topping what they make a year, you can't say they suck. Because that means you're a loser of epic proportion. Okay? Uh, you can say you're not a fan. That's perfectly acceptable. Hey, I'm not a fan of AP or AEW. That's, that makes sense. But to say they suck when they're making eight figures a year, nine figures. Well, not nine. We're not, we're not going to say nine. We'll say eight. Making eight figures a year. Yeah, that's no. That, your, your opinion is invalid. But he proceeded their, their, their psychology sucks, and they're not good at storytelling. All right, let's, let's roll this back, Buford. Um, ring psychology. Their psychology sucks. I, I couldn't help it. I, I had to ask, uh, excuse me, Brosif, where did you learn ring psychology from? His answer was fucking amazing. Ready? Hold on. You're going to like this. His answer was, uh, by watching this motherfucker. You learned ring psychology 
by watching. That's like saying I watched all nine seasons of House, so I'm qualified to do surgery. That, that is the level of stupid that is. Okay? And so I went, wait, hold on. You learned ring psychology by watching. Well, yeah, don't you pay attention? The Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat trilogy, that was, that was a master class in ring psychology. Which is something he heard, was something he read off a dirt sheet. That is the dumbest fucking phrasing I've ever heard. Folks, remember when you were in school and you had to do a, you had to do a book report? So you went out and bought a Cliff Notes version of the book, and then you tried to pass off the fucking... Uh, Comments on the back cover like this book was this was a fascinating journey of self-discovery. That's what that sounded like. That's what he sounded like. It was a master class at ring psychology. And he was so proud of this answer. And then I fucked him up by asking why? Well, what do you mean? Why? Why was it a master class in ring psychology? Shocking, he had nothing. Here's why, folks. Nobody, nobody who has never been through wrestling school knows ring psychology. They don't. They really do not. And just the concept, just the arrogant fucking concept that, I, that you can learn ring psychology from watching wrestling is fucking hilarious. Okay, and I commented to him. I said, bro, I said the fact that did I just turn into Vince Russo? I think I did. Bro, bro, bro. No, you have to. It's a three, three bro minimum to be Vince Russo. But to name Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. All right. Let me let me clarify. Let me clarify one thing. Watching wrestling can help learn ring psychology, but unless you have somebody there pointing out what they're doing, why they're doing it and why it's fucking genius that they're doing it at that specific time. Can't learn it. All right. My wrestling classes, we would seriously, we'd train for about an hour and a half. We would watch a match. We would critique that match. And then we would get back into the ring. We would put together a practice match and try to apply what we just learned. That's how I learned ring psychology. And then I further learned ring psychology by going out in front of a live crowd and fucking applying what I learned and watch the crowd either cheer or boo me out of the fucking building because I wasn't doing it right. That's how you learn ring psychology. So this fucking stupid bullshit of well, I learned by watching. Go fuck yourself. Folks, let me let me put it this way. Your fans and I love you. I've broken my body. I have gone through concussions. I have gone through broken bones, torn tendons. I have missed out on time with my family, with my significant others, my girlfriend, just to entertain you. And I, and I do not regret that. I would do it until the end of time if I could. All right? However, if you come up to me after a show and say, hey, dude, that was a good match, but you know your ring psychology... That's all that's coming out of your mouth because I will punch you in the fucking throat. Never, never tell a trained worker anything about ring psychology if you've never, if you've never fucking taken a bump. Shut the fuck up.
Anyway, that was my talking ring psychology with internet trolls rant. So, sorry, that got a little long and boring. That's nine minutes of your life you're not getting back, and I apologize. So we'll move on to the main event. Main event. All right, first off, we have, we have a video of MVP and The Miz talking about something backstage with the Money in the Bank briefcase solidly in the foreground. That's not foreshadowing at all, is it? We start the Elimination Chamber match, and at least this one I knew who was in it. Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Sheamus, Randy Orton, Kofi Kingston. Randy Orton and uh, Jeff Hardy start this one off. Did a really good job, and commentary did something... It was small, but it was it was awesome. They went back, hey, remember when Randy Orton tried to rip Jeff Hardy's ear off with the screwdriver? Remember that bullshit? They brought that up. And I was just, I, I kind of slow clapped for him. I went, hey, that that's a really good job because that rewards fans that have stuck with you through this bullshit. If, if, if one person went, oh, dude, I do remember that. That was gross as shit. You've done your job. Drew McIntyre comes in, he takes over, and <laughs> here was the, my, the funniest spot of the night. Drew lifts up Jeff Hardy over his shoulder, running power slam position. He's going to throw Jeff Hardy into the pod, but there's a cameraman. We're actually watching from that cameraman's camera, and you hear Drew McIntyre say, move, and the fucking cameraman didn't move. So Drew went, fuck it. And Drew throws Jeff Hardy into the cameraman. <laughs> Jeff Hardy bounces off of him. And then all you hear is McIntyre say, I told you to move. I died. Fucking died. Kofi Kingston comes in. House of Fire rages all over everybody. Rolls up and pins Randy Orton. Like, your night is done, son. Good night. That was quick as shit. Like, I swore there was going to be some Alexa Bliss or uh, Bray Wyatt bullshit. Nope. Just rolled up Orton. He's done. And, of course, he gets up and just fucking RKO's everybody. Knocks everybody out and leaves. And at this point, AJ's... What do they call him? The Colossus? AJ's Colossus fucking almost rips the plexiglass off the back of AJ's cage. Why? Why? Because AJ jumps out of his pod, runs around to the open door where Randy's leaving, and comes in and pins everybody. Bro? Or tries to pin everybody. Doesn't fucking pin one person. Tries to pin everybody. Nobody gets pinned. And I'm just thinking, dude, couldn't you have just hung out in the pod and wait for somebody else to pin all of them? Like, you could have. Just saying. I did. I forgot to mention this. In the SmackDown match, you had... Kevin Owens throw Jimmy Uso into that same pod and it pops the plexiglass off the back of the. So Kevin Owens and Jay Uso blew AJ's spot later on that match really did. And I laughed because Owens throws Uso into it. The glass pops off the back and I went, Hey, remember when they tried to convince us these pods were bulletproof because there's a lot of gunfire at WWE pay-per-views traditionally, I guess maybe, I don't know. So yeah, Owens and Uso fucked up the spot for later on that night. Sheamus gets in the fight, and he and McIntyre proceed to get into a hockey fight. These guys, seriously, it was just grabbing jerseys and throwing punches. It was fucking fantastic. Leads to a superplex spot where Drew superplexes Sheamus off the top rope with AJ and, was it Kofi? 
just powerbombing him from behind. They proceed to fight outside the outside the ring. Kofi goes for, you know, because there's got to be a dive off the top of the pod. So and it's got to be Kofi. So that kind of sucks. Goes for his little trust fall thing. Goes for another one. Sheamus catches him. Bro kicks him. Good night, Kofi. From that point on, these guys start dropping like flies because not to be outdone, AJ, excuse me, Jeff Hardy goes for a swanton on AJ off the top of the pod, hits the swanton, pops back up and just catches a broke Claymore, catches a Claymore right in the face. Drew pins AJ, Drew pins Jeff Hardy. Sorry, my notes are all fucked up. Drew pins Jeff Hardy. Good night, Jeff. Sheamus gets back in the ring and he hits a brogue kick on Drew but catches a phenomenal forearm and Sheamus is gone. So we are down to AJ Styles and Drew McIntyre. AJ goes for another forearm, springboards, flies into the air, and just eats a fucking Claymore in midair. Oh my God. Folks, you can't fake that. That, there, you know what? Physics is not a worker. So you jump face first into somebody's boot that shit's going to leave a mark. Drew McIntyre covers AJ, wins the Elimination Chamber. So we have the story of the champion defending his title in the Elimination Chamber. He goes all the way, defends it, and then here comes Bobby Lashley, who just wrecks the fuck out of Drew McIntyre. Just destroys this poor guy. And then, of course, Miz's music starts. Miz sprints out of the ring faster than you've ever fucking seen him. Cashes in his money in the bank. Wins the fucking heavyweight title. Son of a... Is it 2011? Is it... Why are we putting the title back on the fucking Miz? Oh, my God. Now, I'm going to say this on a personal level. I'm sure Mike Mizanin's a cool fucking dude. I'm sure he's nice as shit. You know... But the Miz, the Miz. All right, folks, let me let me put it to you this way. Miz is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And you know what? If you're hungry, peanut butter and jelly sandwich will do. All right. But nobody over the age of eight has ever went. Yay. Peanut butter and jelly. And that's the Miz. That's that's what we're doing. All right. And I'm just going. Oh, this fucker is not main eventing WrestleMania. There's no way, there's no way The Miz works two main events at WrestleMania. That, there's no fucking way. Then we move to Raw the next night, and, all right, now I'm intrigued, because Bobby Lashley shows up and tells The Miz, hey, fucker, you promised me that if I helped you win, I get the first title shot. And Miz goes, yeah, well, you know, I didn't say when. It was at this point that I expected Bobby Lashley to just ram his fist up Miz's ass and turn him all the way inside out. That's that's what I was expecting. But of course, we get the, you know, Adam Pierce comes down and Shane McMahon comes down and fucking oh my god, when Braun Strowman's music hit, I went son of a bitch. <sighs> because we have to throw Braun in there, don't we? We have to throw away the we have to throw in the runaway retard. Oh my god. And so they make a match for later on that night, Bobby Lashley versus Braun Strowman. And if Braun Strowman wins, next week we get a triple threat between Braun, Bobby, and the Miz for the world heavyweight title. That shit didn't happen though. 
Oh my god, this was very few things are more entertaining than a Haas fight. And just two big fucking guys just beating the shit out of each other. And here's where I got here's where I started to love this match. Braun goes for his runaway retard gimmick. You know, where he's just okay, apparently the only way to beat Braun is to just let Braun run into something. Because he does it every fucking match. He just, he gets a head full of steam and he just starts running and like a, like the fucking coyote just runs headfirst into some stupid shit. And he's outside and he's sprinting around the ring and Bobby Lashley just flat footed jumps up to the apron and Braun Strowman runs right into the stairs and I laughed and I (laughs) fucking laughed. (laughs) They get back into the ring. Bobby Lashley fucking choke slams Braun Strowman. Hits him with a spear. Just, just humbled this fucking guy. And that's when I remembered. Oh, that's right. If you want to make it to WrestleMania in Vince McMahon's world, you have to go through a giant. And that's what Bobby Lashley just did. He just went through a fucking giant. Normally that's a babyface thing, but... I fuck it. You know, Vince is old and senile, so we're just going to take it where we can get it. Here's where I hope this is going. Honestly, this is where I hope this is going. Bobby Lashley just destroys Miz for the world title next week. And we go into WrestleMania with Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre for the world heavyweight title. That would be fantastic. Bobby Lashley would be playing the part of Brock Lesnar this year. I think that would be awesome as shit to watch these two guys just beat the shit out of each other. That would be great. Uh, you're not getting Brock back this year for Mania. So we're, and you know what? They have spent the better part of 2020 building up Bobby Lashley as this fucking unstoppable monster. So, yeah. I mean, and, and we were going to get no matter how we worked it out, we were going to get Drew McIntyre winning the title again at Mania in front of a crowd because there's actually going to be people at Mania this year. I just don't like the fact that it's going to be his third title win in a year. That, yeah, that, you just kind of wiped your ass the title. But anyway, I hope that's where we're going. I could be wrong, but we're going to see. All right, folks. We are under 45 minutes, so I'm going to cut this shit off right now. I am Greg Hernandez, the Ninja Nerd Warrior. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can go to NinjaNerdWarriorPodcast.com. I still have merch available at ProWrestlingTees.com slash NinjaNerdWarrior. And if you like the show, and God love you if you do, recommend it to some friends. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your favorite podcast from. Go over, give us five stars. Appreciate it. It helps people find the show. And with that, I am going to say good night, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.